Hello everyone, welcome back to the Harry Potter podcast in which every day I read a chapter of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. My name is Shreya and hope you enjoy this. In the previous episode, we read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone chapter 10, Halloween. In this episode, we'll be reading chapter 11, Quidditch. So let's begin! Chapter 11 Quidditch. As they entered November, the weather turned very cold. The mountains around the school became icy gray, and the lake chilled like steel. Every morning, the ground was covered in frost. Hagrid could be seen from the upstairs windows, defrosting broomstick on the Quidditch pitch. Bundled up in a long, molluscan overcoat, rabbit fur gloves, and enormous beaver skin boots. The Quidditch season had begun. On Saturday, Harry would be playing with their first match after training for weeks, Gryffindor versus Slytherin. If Gryffindor won, they would move up to second place in the house championship. Hardly anyone had seen Harry play because Wood had decided that, as their secret weapon, Harry should be kept well secret. But the news that he was playing Seeker, had leaked out somehow, and Harry didn't know which was worse. People telling him he'd be brilliant, or people telling him they'd be running around underneath him, holding a mattress. It was lucky that Harry now had Hermione as a friend. He didn't know how he'd have gone through all of this homework without her. What with all the last-minute Quidditch practice Wood was making them do. She had also lent him Quidditch Through the Ages, which turned out to be a very interesting to read. Harry learned that there were 700 ways of committing a Quidditch foul, and that all of them had happened during the World Cup match in 1473. The Seekers were usually the smallest and fastest players, and that most serious Quidditch accidents seemed to happen because of them. That although people rarely died playing Quidditch, referees had been known to vanish and turn up months later in the Sahara Desert. Hermione had become a bit more relaxed about breaking the rules since Harry and Ron had saved her from the mountain troll, and she was much nicer for it. The day before Harry's first Quidditch match, the three of them were out in the freezing courtyard during break, and she conjured them up a bright blue fire, which could be carried around in a jam jar. They were standing with their backs to it, getting warm. When Snape crossed the yard, Harry noticed at once that Snape was limping. Harry, Ron, and Hermione moved closer together to block the fire from the view. They were sure it wouldn't be allowed. Unfortunately, something about their guilty faces caught Snape's eye. He limped over. He hadn't seen the fire, but he'd seemed to be looking for a reason to tell them off anyway. What's that you've got there, Potter? It was Quidditch through the ages. Here you showed him. Library books are not to be taken outside of school, said Snape. Give it to me. Five points from Gryffindor. He just made that rule up, Harry muttered angrily as Snape limped away. Wonder what's wrong with his leg. Don't know, but I hope it's really hurting him, said Ron bitterly. The Gryffindor common room was very noisy that evening. 
Harry, Ron, and Hermione sat together next to a window. Hermione was checking Harry and Ron's charms homework for them. She would never let them copy. How will you learn? But by asking her to read through, they got the right answers anyway. Harry felt restless. He wanted Quidditch the ages back to take his mind off his nerves about tomorrow. Why should he be afraid of Snape? Getting up, he told Ron and Hermione he was going to ask Snape if he could have it. Rather you than me, they all said together. But Harry had an idea that Snape wouldn't refuse if their teachers were listening. He made his way down the staff room and knocked. There was no answer. He knocked again. Nothing. Perhaps Snape had just left the book in there. It was worth a try. He pushed the door ajar and peered inside. A horrible scene met his eyes. Snape and Filch were inside, alone. Snape was holding robes of his knees. One of his legs was bloody and mangled. Filch was handling Snape bandages. Blasted thing, Snape was saying. How are you supposed to keep your eyes on all three of heads at once? Harry tried to shut the door quietly, but Potter! Snape's face was twisted with a flurry as he dropped his robes quickly to hide his leg. Harry gulped. I just wondered if you could have my book back. Get out! Get out! Harry left before Snape could take any more points from Gryffindor. He sprinted back upstairs. Did you get it? Ron asked as Harry joined them. What's the matter? In a low whisper, Harry told them what he had seen. You know what this means? He finally said breathlessly. He tried to get past the three-headed dog at Halloween. That's where we saw him go. He's after whatever it's guarding. I bet my broomstick. He let that troll in to create a diversion. Hermione's eyes were wide. No, he wouldn't. She said, I know he's not very nice, but he wouldn't try to steal something Dumbledore was keeping safe. Honestly, Hermione, you think all teachers are saints or something? Snapped Ron. I'm with Harry. I wouldn't put anything past Snape. Well, what's he after? What's that dog guarding? Harry went to bed with his head buzzing with the same question. Neville was snoring loudly, but Harry couldn't sleep. He tried to empty his mind. He needed to sleep. He had his first quidditch match in a few hours. But the expression on Snape's face when Harry had seen his leg wasn't easy to forget. The next morning dawned very bright and cold. The great hall was full of delicious smell of fried sausages and the cheerful chatter of everyone looking forward to a good quidditch match. You've got to eat some breakfast. I don't want to eat anything. Just a bit of toast, wheeled Hermione. I'm not hungry. Harry felt terrible. In an hour's time, he'd be walking on the pitch. Harry, you need your strength, said Simmons Finnegan. Seekers are always the ones who get nobbled by the other team. Thanks, Simmons, said Harry, watching Seamus pile ketchup on his sausages. By eleven o'clock, the whole school seemed to be out in the stands around the Quidditch pitch. Many students had binoculars. The seats might be raised high in the air, but it was still difficult to see what was going on sometimes. Ron and Hermione joined Neville, Seamus, and Dean. The West Ham fan up in the top row. As a surprise for Harry, they had painted a large banner on one of the sheets Scabbers had ruined. It said, Potter for President. And Dean, who was 
good at drawing, had drawn a large Gryffindor lion underneath. Then Hermione performed a tricky little charm so that the paint flashed different colors. Meanwhile, in the changing rooms, Harry and the rest of the team were changing into their scarlet quidditch robes. Slytherin would be playing in green. Wood cleared out of his throat for silence. Okay, men, he said. And women, said Chaser Angelina Johnson. And women, Wood agreed. This is it, the big one, said Fred Weasley. The one we've all been waiting for, said George. We know Oliver's speech by heart. Fred told Harry. We were in his team last year. Shut up, you two, said Wood. This is the best team Gryffindor has had in years. We're going to win. I know it. He glared at them all as if to say, or else. Right, it's time. Good luck, all of you. Harry followed Fred and George out of the changing room and, hopping his knees, weren't going to give away. Walked on the pitch to loud cheers. Madam Hooch was referring. She stood in the middle of the pitch, waiting for the two teams. Her broom was in her hand. Now, I want a nice, fair game, all of you, she said, once they were all gathered around her. Harry noticed that she seemed to be speaking, particularly to the slim captain, Marcus Flint, a fifth year. Harry thought Flint looked like if he had some troll blood on him. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw... The fluttering banner high above, flashing pod for president over the crowd. His heart skipped. He felt braver. Mount your brooms, please. Harry clambered on his Nimbus 2000. Madame Hooched gave a loud blast on her silver whistle. Fifteen brooms rose up, high, high into the air. They were off. And the quaffle is taken immediately by Ellen Jean Dolphins of Gryffindor. What an excellent chaser the girl is. And rather attractive, too. Jordan! Sorry, Professor. The Weasley twins' friend, Lee Jordan, was doing the commentary for the match, closely watched by Professor McGonagall. And she's really belting along up there, a neat pass by Alshia Spinnett, a good find of Oliver Woods. Last year, only reserved back to Johnson, and then, no, so then have taken the quaffle. Then Mark, Captain Marcus Flint gains the carful, and off he goes. Flint flying like an eagle up there. He's going to sk No! Stopped by an excellent move by the Gryffindor keeper, Wood. And Gryffindor takes a quaffle. That chaser, Katie Bell, of Gryffindor there. Nice dive around Phil. Off up the field. Ouch! That must have hurt. Hit in the back of the head by a boulder. Quaffle taken by Southern. That's Andrian. Percy speeding off towards goalposts, but he was blocked by a second bulger, sent by his way by Fred and George Weasley. Can't tell of them which nice play by the Gryffindor beater. Anyways, and Johnson back in the position of the quaffle. A clear field ahead of she goes. She really flying dodges a speeding bulgers. The goalposts are ahead. Come on now, Angelina. Keep her belt, she dies. Mrs. Gryffindor score! Gryffindor cheer filled in the cold air with howls and moans from the Slytherin. But up there, move along. Hagrid! Ron and Hermione squeezed together. They've Hagrid enough space to join them. Been watching from me up, said Hagrid.
patching a large pair of binoculars on his neck. But it isn't the same being in the crowd. No sign of the snitch yet, eh? Nope. Harry hasn't done much yet. Kept out of trouble, though that's something, said Hagrid, raising his binoculars and peering skywards at the speck that was Harry. Way up above, Harry was gliding over the game, squirting for some sign of the snitch. This was part of his and Wood's game plan. Keep out of your way until you sight the snitch, Wood said. We don't want to be attacked before you have to be. When Angelina scored, Harry did a couple of loops to let out his feelings. Now he was back to staring around for the snitch. Once he caught a sight of flash of gold, but it was just a reflection from one of the Weasley's wristwatches. And once a boulder decided to come pelting his way, not like a cannonball or anything, but Harry dodged it and Fred Weasley came casting after it. All right there, Harry. He had time to yell as he beat the boulder fiercely at towards Marcus Flint. Southern possession, Lee Jordan says. Chase your pussy. Ducks two boulders, two Weasleys, and Chaser Bell, and speeds towards. Wait a moment. Was that the snitch? A murmur ran through the crowd, and as Adrian Percy dropped the quaffle, he was too busy looking over his shoulder the flash of gold that passed his left ear. Harry saw it. In a great rush of excitement, he dived towards after the streak of gold. So then, seeker Terence Higgs had seen it too. Neck and neck they hurtled towards the snitch. All the chasers seemed to be have forgotten what they were supposed to do as they hung in mid-air to watch. Harry was faster than Higgs. He could see a little round ball, wings fluttering, darting up ahead. He put on an extra sport of speed. Wham! A roar of rage echoed from the Gryffindors below. Marcus Flint had blocked Harry on purpose, and Harry's broom spun off course, Harry holding on for dear life. Foul! screamed the Gryffindors. Madame Hooch spoke angrily to Flint and then ordered a free shot at the goalpost for Gryffindor. But in all the confusion, of course, the golden snitch had disappeared from the sight again. Down in the stands, Dean Thomas was yelling, Send him off! Red card! This isn't football, Dean, Ron reminded me. You can't send people off in Quidditch. And what's a red card? But Hagrid was on Dean's side. They ought to change the rules. Flint could have knocked Harry out of the air. Lee Jordan was obviously finding it difficult to take sides. So obvious and disgusting bit of cheating. Jordan! God Professor McGonagall. I mean, after that open and revolting foul. Jordan, I'm warning you. All right, all right. Flint nearly kills the Gryffindor sneaker, which could have happened to anyone, I'm sure. So a penalty to Gryffindor taken by Spinet, who is puts it away. No trouble. As we continue, Gryffindor still in possession. It was as Harry dodged another bulger, which went spinning dangerously past his head, that had happened. His broom gave a sudden frightening lurch. For a split second, he thought he was going to fall. He gripped on his broom tightly, his both hands and knees. He never felt anything like it. It happened again. It was as though the broom was trying to buck him off. But Nimbus 2000s don't suddenly decide to buck off the riders. Harry tried to turn back towards the Gryffindor goalpost. He had half a mind to ask what to call time out. And then he realized his broom was completely out of control. 
he couldn't turn it. He couldn't direct it at all. It was zigzagging through the air, and every now and then, making violent swishing movements, which almost unseated him. Lee was still commenting. Slytherin in position, flint with the coffle. Pass his spinet, pass his bell, hit hard in the face by a bulger. Hope it's a broken nose. Only joking, Professor. Slytherin score. Oh no! The Slytherin were cheering. No one seemed to have noticed that Harry's broom was behaving strangely. It was carrying him slowly higher, away from the game, jerking and twitching as it went. I don't know what Harry thinks he's doing, Hagrid mumbled. He stares through the binoculars. If I didn't know any better, I'd say he's lost control of his broom, but that kind of... So many people were pointing to Harry up in the stands. His broom was starting to roll over and over, with him only just managed to hold on. Then the whole crowd gasped. Harry's broom had given a wild jerk, and Harry swung off it. He was now dangling from it, holding on with only one hand. Something happened to it when Flint blocked him. Seems it was a cut of. You can't nothing interfere with a broomstick with that powerful dark magic. That could have done that to Nimbus 2000. At these words, Hermione seized Hagrid's binoculars, but instead of looking up at Harry, she started looking frantically at the crowd. What are you doing? Mound Ron, great face. I knew it. Hermione gasped. Snape, look. Grabbed his brain. Snape was in the middle of his stand opposite of him. He was eyes fixed on Harry and was muttering nonstop under his breath. He's doing something, jinxing the broom, said Hermione. What should we do? Leave it to me. Before Ron could say another word, Hermione had disappeared. He, Ron turned the binoculars back at Harry. His broom was vibrating so hard it was almost impossible to hang on much longer. The whole crowd were on their feet, watching, terrified as the Weasleys flew up and tried to pull Harry safely onto one of their rooms, but it was no good. Every time they got near him, the broom would... Jumps higher still. They dropped lower and circled beneath him, obviously hoping to catch him if he fell. Marcus Flint seized the quaffle and scored it five times without anyone noticing. Come on, Hermione. Ron muttered desperately. Hermione had fought her way across the stand and Snape stood and now was racing in a row behind him. He didn't even stop to say sorry that he knocked Professor Quirrell's head first, but in the front row. Reaching Snape, she crashed down pulled out her wand and whispered a few well-chosen words. Bright blue flames shot out of her wand and the hem of Snape's robes. It took perhaps thirty seconds for Snape to realize that he was on fire. A sudden yelp told her she had done her job. Scooping the fire off him into a little jar in her pocket, she scrambled back along the row. Snape would have never known what happened. It was enough. Up in the air, Harry was suddenly able to clamber back onto his broom. Neville, you can look, Ron said. Neville had been sobbing into Hagrid's jacket for the last five minutes. Harry was speeding towards the ground when the crowd saw him clap his hand to his mouth as though he was about to be sick. He hit the pitch on all fours, coughed, and something gold fell out of his hand. I've got the snitch, he shouted, waving it above his head, and the game ended in complete confusion. He didn't catch it. He nearly swallowed it. Flint was still hauling twenty minutes later, but it made no difference. 
Harry hadn't broken any rules that Lee Jordan wasn't still happily shouting the result. Gryffindor won by 170 points to 60. Harry heard none of this, though. He was making a cup of strong black tea in Hagrid's hut with Ron and Hermione. It was Snape, Ron was explaining. Hermione and I saw him. He was cursing your broomstick, muttered, muttering he wouldn't take his office off you. Rubbish, said Hagrid, who hadn't heard a word of what had been gone next to him in the stands. Why would Snape do something like that? Harry, Ron, and Hermione looked at each other, wondering what to tell him. Harry decided the truth. I found off something about him, he told Hagrid. He tried to get past the three-headed dog at Halloween, and bit him. We think he's trying to steal whatever it's guarding. Harry dropped the teapot. You know about Fluffy, he said. Fluffy? Yeah, he's mine. Brought him off the great chappy I met him at the pub last year. I lent a Dumbledore to guard the... Yes? said Harry eagerly. Now, don't ask me any more, said Hagrid gruffly. That's soap secret, that is. But Snape tr was trying to steal it. Rubbish, said Hagrid again. Snape's the Hogwarts teacher. He'd do nothing of the sort. So why didn't he just try to kill Harry? cried Hermione. The afternoon's events certainly seemed to have changed her mind about Snape. I know a jinx when I see one, Hagrid. I've read all about them. You've got to keep eye contact, and Snape wasn't blinking at all. I saw him. I'm telling you, wrong, said Hagrid hotly. I don't know why Hagrid, Harry's broom acted like that, but Snape wouldn't try and kill a student. Now listen to me. I'll fear you, Madeline. In things you don't concern, it's dangerous. You've got that a dog, and you forgot what's garden. That's between Professor Dumbledore and Nicholas Fermel. Aha! said Harry. So there's someone called Nicholas Femmel involved, is there? Hagrid looked furious with himself. Thank you for listening to me read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Chapter 11, Quidditch. In the next episode, we will be reading Chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised. If you have any compliments or suggestions for this episode, you can always message me on the Harry Potter's Instagram page, which is given in the website in the description. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and bye!